All right, good morning. For those of you guys who don't know me, my name is Josh. Uh, I have the privilege and the honor of leading the high school ministry here at this church. So I'm just so proud of our youth. Andreas, you're doing a good job back there, Caleb. <laughs> um, so I'm going to use them. If you guys need a Bible this morning, would you all, would you raise your hand? And then Andreas and Caleb will walk up with Bibles you can borrow. There you go. Sweet. Now, as I was uh, praying about what to share with you guys, uh, I was thinking about all the different passages that the Lord spoke to me, but I really felt the Spirit leading me into uh, just talking with you guys um, on just who we are in the Lord and understanding who we are and understanding our responsibilities that we have in the Lord. So we'll look at three things today uh, together. Uh, we'll, first, we'll see that we are all living stones in the same building. Okay, and number two, we'll see that we're all priests in his temple. And lastly, we'll see that we are all citizens uh, in God's nation. So if, you're, if you have your Bibles with you, uh, please open up to 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2. We'll be looking from verses 4 through 10. First Peter 2, 4 through 10. If you're there... I'm going to ask you guys to stand with me in honor of God's word. Peter writes for us, <clears throat> verse 4, says, Coming to him as to a living stone, rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious, you also, as living stones, are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Therefore, it is also contained in the scripture, Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious, and he who believes on him will by no means be put to shame. Therefore, to you who believe, he is precious, but to those who are disobedient, the stone which the builders rejected, has become the chief cornerstone and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. Verse 8, they stumble being disobedient to the word to which they also are appointed. But you, verse 9, are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the priest's excuse me, the praises of him who called you out of the darkness into his marvelous light, who once were not a people, but are now the people of God, who had no, not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Let's pray. Lord, we, we look to you today as our guide and as our leader. Father, as we read your scripture and, and study your word, Holy Spirit, I pray that you will be here with us and teach us, that you would guide us, Lord, and convict us if that's needed, and help us, God, to just be more and more like you. We love you, and we thank you for this time. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you guys take some time to just say hi to someone? Uh, if there's someone new, just say hi to them. And you guys can have a seat.
If you're familiar with the book of 1 Peter, you'll know that um, Peter starts out the letter by talking about the hope we have in Jesus, right? We see in 1 Peter 1.3, he says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, right? So we see that there's hope in Jesus, uh, and thank God for that hope, right? We live in such a dark, hopeless, cruel, evil world, right? And the fact that we have Jesus as our hope, that's something we can worship God for. Then Peter continues in his letter. Uh, he talks to us. Uh, he says to be holy, right? First Peter 1.16, Peter mentions how God says to be holy as I am holy, right? So we look to God as our example, and Peter exhorts us to a life of holiness, to dedicate our lives as uh, to living holy and pure and living completely for God. Then Peter goes on to tell us uh, to love each other, right? To obey the truth, to grow from partaking the pure milk of the word. As brothers and sisters in Christ, this is something we need to do. We are to obey uh, and learn the truth, right? And to grow from the truth together by, by fellowship and studying God's word. He equates it to milk. Just as babies need milk to grow, we need God's word to grow. And that leads to today's passage, First uh, Peter chapter 2, verse 4. I want to look at who God is first in this, in this passage. So we'll look at God's characteristics and who he is, and then we'll go back again and study who we are in Christ and our responsibilities in him. Okay? So we'll be jumping back and forth through these verses today. <clears throat> The first thing I want to look at today, uh, chapter 2, verse 4, Peter says, coming to him as to a living stone, right? rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious, you also as living stones are being built up a spiritual house. <clears throat> Peter says that we are stones in the same spiritual house or temple, right? We're stones. You know, funny that this lesson comes from Peter, right, whose name is Stone, his, if you guys remember, his name used to be Simon, right? His brother Andrew brought him to Jesus, and Jesus is like, hey, uh, your name's not going to be Simon anymore. I'm going to name you Peter, right? And that name means rock, right? Not because he was a rock, um, but because that's what Jesus was going to make him into, right? He was going to turn him into a rock, a pillar, someone that, a foundation almost, right? But it's a picture. In the Old Testament, God is likened to a rock, might not sound very flattering today, uh, but, but to them, rock meant stability, right? Something that was strong. It, it meant foundation. It meant security. And guess what? That's what God is to us. He is our rock. Stable. We, we can find stability in Jesus. He, he is our foundation, and, and we are secure in God. Psalms 28, 1, David writes for us, To you I will cry, O Lord, my rock. Do not be silent to me. Psalms 62, 1 through 2, again, David, he says, Truly my soul silently awaits for God. From him comes my salvation. He only is my rock and my salvation. See, Jesus is our rock. Our rock of salvation, our rock, our foundation and as we read here, Peter says to come to him. 
That's our first responsibility, you guys. As Christians, we need to come to him, come to Jesus. I think it's amazing that we can freely come to Jesus. Right? He doesn't have um, bad days. We don't have to be afraid of him rejecting us or being in a bad mood. Right? He's always welcoming us in, and we can always, at any time, go to Jesus. We read in Hebrews 4.16, the writer says, Let us therefore come boldly to the throne room of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace and help in time of need. Right? We can come to the Lord who sits on the throne of grace. I love that. I love that God sits on the throne of grace, not the throne of wrath, not the throne of anger, but the throne of grace, which allows us then to come to him freely anytime we need help, anytime we need something. We can say, Jesus, I need your help. My rock, you can always come to him. Notice with me how Peter refers to Jesus in verse 4 as the living stone. Not just the stone, but the living stone. What a reminder that Jesus is alive today. See, Jesus, he's not, he wasn't just a teacher, a great teacher, right, who, who lived on earth, left us some great lessons, right, taught some great uh, lessons, and just died and disappeared. Jesus is alive. He still lives. He still reigns. He listens to us. He, he cares about you. He wants you to have a relationship with him. He wants you to seek him. He is very much alive. He is our living stone. But we read here, uh, sadly, that uh, the living stone was rejected indeed by men, right? The living stone was rejected by men. Remember when the people were thirsty in Exodus chapter 17, the Israelites were wandering the desert. They're thirsty, they're complaining. God tells Moses to strike the rock, right? Strike the rock and there will be water. So Moses does it, and water comes gushing out. The people drink and they're satisfied. A picture of Christ, of Jesus being smitten and rejected, right? Being striked. Then in Numbers 20, the people, again, were thirsty. They're complaining. They're mad. Moses, we're going to die here. God tells Moses, hey, this time speak to the rock and there will be water. But Moses was mad, upset, uh, perhaps annoyed at the people. Right? I mean, thousands and thousands of people complaining to him. Moses messes up. He, he strikes the rock because of his anger. He misrepresents the Lord. See, Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 that that rock that, uh, by which water came flowing out, that rock was Christ. It's a picture of Christ. That rock uh, was smitten, right? It was striked. He's been cruci- Jesus has been crucified. Now all that's needed for us is to come to him, speak to him, and ask for help. It's so easy for us to receive grace today. It's so easy for us to ask for mercy. All we have to do is come to the Lord. We don't have to go through any ritual. We don't have to offer any physical sacrifices. God is there willing for us to just come to him, open. Peter says, come. We just have to speak to him and ask him for help. On Friday nights um, with the youth group, we're going through the Gospel of John 
A couple weeks ago, uh, we just went through the account of Jesus and the Samaritan woman at the well. And it's such a good reminder for all of us, right, how this woman was drawing water from this well. And Jesus um, pursues her and, and talks to her and says, hey, if you drink this water from this ground, you're going to be thirsty again. Right? The lady's like, duh, like it's water. If you drink water, you're satisfied for a moment, but you'll get thirsty again. That's why I'm, I keep coming here every day. Now, this lady was drawing water from this well every day. Um, but you can also say that this lady, uh, Samaritan woman, has been drawing from the well of relationships, right? She's looking for satisfaction from men. She, she goes from one man to the other, seeking satisfaction, seeking fulfillment, something to quench her thirst, her spiritual thirst. But the reminder for us today, right, is that any other well then the Lord will leave us empty and thirsty. People are trying to fill that emptiness in their hearts, that thirst, they're trying to quench it with anything but God, and it's not going to work. We can fill it with money, we can fill our hearts with power, entertainment, pleasure, lust, anything. The words of Jesus still are true today. If you drink from any well that's not Jesus, it'll leave us thirsty and not fulfilled. Guys, the answer is Jesus, always Jesus, to, to whom we can come to, as Peter says. He is our rock by which water flows out, by which we can be uh, satisfied completely. Jesus says, if you drink from my well, you'll never thirst again. He is the living stone which brings forth the springs of living water. It's written that he's rejected by men, but chosen by God. He's chosen by God. So many people reject Jesus, but he is God's choice of salvation. God chose him. He is the chief cornerstone, the elect, Peter says. Peter uses this word precious. I mean, the word precious means valuable, right? When you think of Jesus and who he is, he truly is highly valued, or he should be. Well, the question for you guys today is, and, and I want you guys to ask yourself this, is Jesus precious to you today? Do you hold him valuable? Do you value Jesus in your life? Or is he just someone you talk about on Sunday mornings? It's important for us to ask these questions to ourselves often, regularly, so that we can do a self-assessment. We ask ourselves these questions, is Jesus precious to me? Right? Am I drinking from Jesus' well? Or am I seeking satisfaction from other things? Right? Ask yourself these questions daily, right? often, so that you can keep yourself uh, in check. Because if you only ask yourself these questions once a year, every other month, right, you'll find yourself off track. And we can't afford to be off track. See, the sooner you ask yourself, the more regularly you ask yourself this. If you're off track, you're only off track by a little, you can easily course correct yourself. But if you only ask yourself these questions, right, if you only do a self-assessment once a year, you can find yourself so off track that it'll be so hard to come back. You have to make some major life changes, the group that you're hanging out with, 
So, so do these checks often. Ask yourself, is Jesus precious to me? Then if it's not, what can I do to fall in love with him again? Let's continue to see what Peter says about the living stone. I'm going to read again verses 6 through 8. <clears throat> Therefore, it is also contained in the scripture, Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious, and he who believes on him will by no means be put to shame. Therefore, to you who believe, he is precious. But to those who are disobedient, the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble being disobedient to the word to which they also were appointed. Peter, quoting from both Isaiah and the Psalms, points out again how Jesus is our chief cornerstone. The stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone, he says. Jesus is our chief cornerstone. Now, what does it mean? What is a cornerstone? A cornerstone is the most important stone in building a building. It's the stone to which all the other stones line up to. It's the one that sets the tone Without the cornerstone, the building won't be strong. It won't build the way that it's supposed to build. See, Jesus is our cornerstone. We are built upon him, and we are lined up to him. Not to anybody else, not to any other thing. We're lined up to Jesus, or we should be. By us all lining up to the cornerstone, to Jesus, he brings us all together. He brings all people, Jews, Gentiles, all ethnic groups. We can come together because we're all lined up to the cornerstone. You might say, to be unified, we need to line up with each other. (laughs) But no, right? We can't line up with each other because if one of us are um, not in line, then we're going to mess everything up. We need to be lined to Jesus. Everybody eyes on Jesus, on the cornerstone, and then we'll be unified. That's how we can unite. That's how we can be a team. That's how we can fight together. You can also say that Jesus is our keystone. Uh, If you don't know what a keystone is, when building an arch, the keystone is the middle piece. The middle piece actually holds the whole arch together. If you take that middle piece out, it comes crumbling down, right? The, The whole thing gets destroyed. The keystone is so important. Without the keystone, the arch will fall apart. You guys know where I'm going with this. Jesus is our keystone. Without him, our, our life will fall apart. You can say that he is the key to our lives. He holds us together. He strengthens us. He makes us sturdy. Without him, we'll fall apart. We need Jesus as our cornerstone. We need Jesus as our keystone. Guys, we try to go and live our lives on our own without Jesus, without the cornerstone, without the keystone, and you might do fine for a day or two. You might do fine for a little while, but you're just only fooling yourself. It's going to come crumbling down, and we need to be rooted, and we need to be lined up to the cornerstone, and we need Jesus in our lives. What else is Jesus? In verse 6, uh, we see that Jesus is trustworthy, right? No man is put to shame. We see that uh, he will never let us down. 
We, we always fail Jesus. We do things that uh, we're not supposed to do. We sin. But God, Jesus, he will never let us down. We can always count on him. He's reliable, trustworthy. When we are faithless, he is faithful. And we can count on that. Peter continues as he quotes Isaiah that Jesus, um, he's not only the cornerstone, but he's a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. A stone of stumbling means something people get tripped up on, right? Something that causes somebody to stumble, something that causes somebody to fall. And a rock of offense, well, simply, uh, people are offended by Jesus. You might have experienced this when you try to uh, share Jesus with your friends and they get offended. It's just how it is. Why is it, though? Why, why is Jesus a stone of stumbling? Why is Jesus a rock of offense to people? Why, why do people get so upset? Well, it's because the message of the cross is foolishness to them. The Bible tells us that the message of the cross to those who don't know Jesus is foolishness. Right? How could some poor man from Galilee save me? How could a carpenter save me? They just don't understand. Well, not just that. They refuse to understand. They refuse to see the way that it's supposed to be seen. If you think about the cross and the message that the cross brings, right? The cross is a statement for us to repent. The cross is a statement of how much God loves you, God loves me. But also, not just that, the cross is a statement of how much uh, how serious God takes sin. I mean, the fact that he put his son through all of that, the fact that Jesus died on the cross for us shows how serious sin is to the Lord. The cross tells us to turn away from sin and to follow Jesus. And people, man, they don't like to hear that. They don't like to be told what to do. Notice with me how Peter makes a contrast between two types of people here. The people who obey, right? Those who are obedient and those who are disobedient. To those who are obedient, Jesus, obviously, and the message of the cross is not offensive. or something we worship, something we hold valuable. But to those who are disobedient, to those who refuse to follow Jesus, to those who say uh, there is no God, to those who say, those who say that uh, Jesus isn't God, right? It's offensive because they don't want to obey. They refuse to obey. They don't like to be told to obey. The cross tells us to obey and they, they get offended. Jesus is the rock of offense. Yet Jesus would take this illustration in Matthew 21, 44. Uh, Jesus speaks of himself as the rock which people will stumble over. He says, whoever falls on this stone will be broken, but on whomever it falls, it will grind him to powder. What a sobering verse. See, if we fall on Jesus, if we fall on the stone, the living stone, our hearts will be broken, right? Because of our shame, we'll be broken, we'll be crushed. But we'll be mended, Right? Jesus will bring us back up. He'll comfort us. He'll love us. He will heal us. And we'll, we'll be okay. But if we don't fall on him, then he's going to fall on us and we're going to be crushed. I think about in Daniel where the stone from heaven crushed all the kingdoms of man. 
uh, that's the image I get. Like when, when the, stone, the living stone crushes on us, we have no hope. We need to fall on Jesus now while we can. We need to come to Jesus, as Peter says, now. That's our responsibility. That's our job. Now that we've seen who Jesus is through this portion of Scripture, um, as our living stone, as our cornerstone, I'd like to take a look at what Peter says about us. Who are we in Christ? Who are we supposed to be, and what is our responsibilities? The first thing I want to talk about today from this passage is that we also, not just Christ, but we also are stones being built up by God. Right? As living stones and as we are being built up together as brothers and sisters in Christ, we need to be edifying each other. We need to be helping each other. We need to build each other up. You know, 1 Thessalonians 5.11 says, Therefore comfort one another and edify one another, just as you also are doing. Romans, Paul tells us here, Romans 14.19, Therefore let us pursue the things which make us, excuse me, which makes for peace and the things by which one may edify another. Right? And Jude tells us about how we need to be building ourselves up on our most holy faith. And so the message is clear. We need to edify each other and help each other build each other up instead of tearing each other down. Man, how easy it can be for us to tear each other down. How easy it can be for us to use harsh words that we know will tear someone down. We need to be, we need to be doing the opposite. We need to be building each other up rather than tearing someone down. In order to edify each other, we must be encouraging and strengthen each other. Don't be a wrecking ball, tearing whoever comes in your way down. Our job in this building, God's building that he's building right now, is to be encouraging, to make sure that people, right, your fellow Christians are being lined up to that cornerstone, to make sure that we're doing what we're supposed to do in Christ. That's our responsibility. You know, some people, they tear themselves down. They don't have to let anybody else do it. They, they do it to themselves. Your whole life is lived to just tear yourself down. You tell yourself how horrible you are. You're terrible. You're not good enough. And instead of letting Christ build you up, strengthen you, and raise you up, you tear everything down that he's trying to do in your life. We, can't, we, we must not do that, you guys. Don't be like that. Let Jesus build you up. Let Jesus strengthen you. Let Jesus work in you. Don't tear yourself down. Now, I understand. There are times when we get discouraged. There are times when we, we get upset. And, but through those times, we need to keep our eyes on the Lord. Draw strength from the Lord and keep going. Don't let the devil lie to you and tell you that you're not good enough, that you're nothing, that you're horrible, that you're terrible. Don't listen to those lies. When people try to encourage you, don't just push them away. I don't want to hear you right now. We can be like that sometimes. Let God encourage you through those people. Accept them. We need each other, you guys. We cannot do this on our own. We weren't designed to do this on our own. We need each other. We need this. We need community. We need the encouragement. 
And so encourage people and receive encouragement as well. As stones in God's temple and God's house, we should be bringing each other up, not tearing each other down. As living stones, we are to be built up, help others who are hurting, help those who are struggling, help those who are um, having a hard time, just give them a hand, pull them up, not just kicking them down, right? Help them come up. Be someone that God can use to help grow other people. I draw our attention back to the text. We see that we are not only living stones, but there were also priests. We see in verse 5, Peter says, Holy priesthood to offer sacrifices. We see in verse 9, a royal priesthood. That's who we are, a holy and royal priesthood, which is kind of odd, mixing two things that weren't allowed in the Old Testament. Right? In the Old Testament, kings were not allowed to become priests. A couple of guys tried to do that, and uh, God was not happy with them. Right? You think about King Saul. Uh, he wanted to be a priest. He wanted to offer sacrifices, but God was not pleased by that. Right? You think about King Uzziah, who acted like a priest, and God gave him leprosy. Okay? So God definitely is not, was not okay with kings and priests being mixed up. But we read here, a royal priesthood. See, the only person who will ever be king and priest is Jesus Christ. And he is our king, he is our high priest. But now that we are in him, that we get to live through him, we are also royal priests. We have power, we have authority in Christ. And not only that, not only are we a royal priest, we are a holy priest. Did you know that you're a priest? <laughs> Perhaps Peter's reminding us that uh, what God told us in Exodus 19.6, right? You shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. So first we're living stones made to be alive through uh, Jesus Christ who lives now Peter tells us that we're a body of priests. Maybe you're raised in a church uh, tradition where the guy with the robe, he's the priest, not me. <laughs> but we read here that if you believe in Jesus, man, you're a priest. If you believed in Jesus 10 minutes ago, then you're initiated into this priesthood. Welcome. Now obviously it's going to look differently for all of us. Uh, God gave us different talents, different giftings, different callings, and he wants to use us uh, uniquely in different ways. But there are things that are common within all of us as priests, and, and we have the same responsibility. So I want to look at those things today. Number one, we are to be a representation of Jesus to the world. I feel like I fail to do that every day. I make mistakes, but I try to do better every day. I try to represent him well. I try to do, it, do a better job tomorrow than today, and then I'll keep trying to you know, better each day to be more like Jesus, to represent him to the people that don't know him yet. In the Old Testament, uh, the people had a priest, <clears throat> but today we are the priest, right? And so we don't have to go through any man to come to the Lord anymore. 
We don't have to go through any man to pray. We don't have to go through any man to offer sacrifices. We can freely come to the Lord. Now, what does a priest do? What, what's the responsibility that comes with that title? What am I supposed to do? See, first, priests, they're a mediator. It's a, they're a go-between. They stand in between God and people. A priest prays, so we are called to pray for the people around us, for ourselves. We are just to be praying all the time. Representation of God to people and people to God. Are, are you praying for people? Are you praying for others? Do you pray for your family? Do you pray for your friends? Do you pray for your peers? Are you interceding and being a mediator for others? Are, are you going to God and saying, God, my, help, my, uh, my neighbor needs help. Please help them. Are, are you interceding for them? My friend needs help. My friend needs healing. My friend needs wisdom. Thank you for blessing them. Are you constantly praying for the people around you? And we so often forget to pray when things get difficult. <clears throat> we, we run to different people. We run to different books. You know, we go to the internet. We try to find answers. Our friends are doing the same things. So as priests, as this, this is our calling now, we need to go and, and help guide them from looking at all the wrong places to looking at the right person, Jesus. You know, when I was in high school, my, uh, my teacher told me one thing that just stuck with me, and, uh, and I remind myself this all the time, right? When you have a hard thing come up, do you run to the throne or do you run to the phone, <laughs> right? And it's so good. So often we, we run to the phone instead of running to the throne, right? Going to Jesus, there's nothing wrong with asking people for help and asking people for you know, advice and all those things. Obviously, there's nothing wrong with that. But, but our first priority should be Jesus. He's the one with all the answers. We can come to him. Right? And as priests, that's our responsibility now then to, to help people understand that. When people are struggling, people have, are going through a difficult time, go to them and say, hey, let's, let's, let's point our eyes to the Lord. Let's seek help from the Lord. Are you representing God to people? Reminding people that God loves them, that God has a plan for them. When they're hurting or struggling, are you teaching them God's word, saying, hey, the Bible tells us this, you're going to be okay. When they're hurting or struggling, um, are you there to, to share God's love with them? If they know Christ, are you reminding them of God's truth and hope? If they don't know Christ, are you there to teach them God's truth and hope? Those people around you who don't know the Lord, you're their priest. You, you are there. God placed you in their lives so that you can share the gospel with them. You have the responsibility and the privilege of sharing Christ with the people around you. It doesn't always have to be Pastor Rick. Right? Oh, this guy's almost ready. Let's, let's call Pastor Rick and let, let's have him lead him to Christ. Like, it doesn't have to be Pastor It can be you. God called you to, to this priesthood to share the gospel and to lead people to Christ. You can do it too. And we all ought to practice that. And we need to go out, share the gospel, share our faith 
be a living example and lead people to Christ. Priests, they also offer sacrifices. We see it in uh, verse 5 in today's passage. What is a spiritual sacrifice? (laughs) In Romans 12, we read, you guys are uh, familiar with this verse. He says, present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Giving our lives to him, right? That's our sacrifice, offering up our lives. God, this is not my life anymore. This is yours. I give it all to you. Use it as you wish. Every day we wake up, we have things we want to do, but do we put ourselves down and give it to the Lord first? Do we sacrifice our quote-unquote rights, laying down our earthly desires to fulfill God's? That's what it means to give a, a spiritual sacrifice, right? Hebrews 13 15 through 16, the author says, Therefore by him let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God. That that is our fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. Sacrifice of praise. Earlier we were singing to the Lord, right? That's our sacrifice of praise. Sometimes you don't feel like singing. <laughs> You're here early in the morning. All you think about is that cup of coffee, but, but we, we, we put those things down. We put those desires down. We worship God because he deserves it. That is the sacrifice of praise. Even if we don't feel like it, we worship him because he deserves it. Giving thanks to his name, the author of Hebrews says. <clears throat> Sometimes, or a lot of times, we focus too much on the negatives, right? What we don't have, what we wish we had, what we wish we were more like. And, and we think about those negatives, and, and we stop to think, uh, we, we forget to think about the blessings that we already have. You know, God gives us so much. He blesses us so much. And we ought to be grateful thankful for those things. And that is a sacrifice for us to do that because we have to put down our selfish thoughts, right? I wish I had that. I wish I don't have this, right? And be grateful for the things God gave you. Giving thanks for the, for the ultimate gift God gave us, salvation. Right? How often do we think about the work Jesus did on the cross? Is it only on, uh, during communion times? Is it only during Good Friday service? Or do we think about Jesus and the work on the cross more than that? Do we think about it often? Or forgive us for forgetting the work on the cross and for being so comfortable with living our own lives our way. We should be offering the sacrifice, the fruit of our lips, and by the giving of thanks for all the things God did for us and continues to do for us. Philippians 4, 10 through 20 talks about the sacrifice of giving to the Lord, right? Uh, Paul is in prison, but this church is helping him financially and just giving him gifts. And it's such a good example for us. Do good and share. Generosity, man, such sacrifices are well-pleased by the Lord. Paul says, it's a sweet-smelling aroma. It's like when I go home and sometimes my uh, neighbors are you know, doing barbecue, and that's a sweet-smelling aroma. I love that smell, <laughs> right? It's the same kind of thing. When we offer sacrifices to the Lord, He loves it. It pleases Him. Good works 
volunteering, giving your time, giving financially, giving your energy for others, right, to help people, to serve God, being a godly example to your friends, to your peers. Man, God is pleased by these sacrifices you make. And so many of you guys are already making so many sacrifices to the Lord. And even if you don't get a thanks from people, man, just trust that God sees you. God sees you. God sees those sacrifices and he's pleased by them. Lastly, as a priest, uh, if you look up a priest in dictionary.com, <clears throat> one who is occupied performing spiritual rites uh, and ceremonies. Now, obviously, we're not going to go out there and start performing weddings and, and doing uh, funerals, right? That, that's not <laughs> what God is saying. But I want to suggest to you guys, just as Jesus, uh, when he was still a child and his parents were looking for him, remember that? And they found him at the temple. And Jesus said, didn't you know that I would be about my father's business? That's what I'm talking about here today. That's what we should be doing, about the father's business. Whatever people need spiritually, we're there to help. Whatever uh, the need of the moment, right? If somebody needs a prayer, you're there to offer a prayer, Let's pray together. If someone's sick, you're there. Let's pray together. Someone's dying, you're, you're there to hold their hand to the very end. And marriage is falling apart, you're there to te teach them the Bible. Say, hey, God, God loves you, and God wants you guys to work this out. You can do this. And you spur them on, you encourage them. You're busy doing God's business. You and I are priests. What a, what a responsibility that is. But what a great privilege it is as well. That we get to do God's work every day. Wherever we go. Not just at church, at work, at school. This morning you're thinking, I never wanted to be a priest. I just wanted to be saved. <laughs> well, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> right? We're all priests. It's just what it is. And we need to get to work. As priests, we need to offer spiritual sacrifices, lay down your life, intercede for others, right? pray for people around you, and be about God's business. So we're living stones in God's building. We are holy priests. We're royal priests. Lastly, I want to look at uh, the fact that we are citizens in God's nation. We're citizens in God's kingdom. Notice with me verse 9. Peter says that we are a, not just a people, but we are a chosen generation, a holy nation, his own special people. Just like Jesus was rejected by men, but chosen by God, we also are chosen by God. See, what Peter's trying to establish here to the believer is that we are a new kind of uh, people now. We're not who we used to be. We've been made new. Paul says that we're a new creation Right? We're not like what we used to be. A holy nation. Holy, or you can say set apart. Right, We are not to be like the world. We're not of the world, so don't act like it. Right, We are to be different, set apart, holy, a chosen generation. It says that we are his own special people. God owns us now. We are his he bought us with a price, with his own life. You know, there's a story that I, I really love. Uh, this little boy, he built this 
uh, little boat. <clears throat> he did a good job on it, right? It floats. It, you know, it's so cool, right? It's aerodynamic, whatever, right? And he puts it on the river. He's playing with it, and then it just goes away. It just drifts off. His precious little boat that he built. He's sad, right? Uh, after a few days, he's walking uh, around. He goes to a pawn shop, and he sees that boat. He says, that's my boat. I built that. It's mine. But the owner says, hey, you have to buy it. It's mine now. The boy said, I, I built it with my hands. It's mine. I, I need it back. But the guy wouldn't budge. He said, you have to pay me, and you you'll get your boat back. So the boy goes home, works, gets some money, right? mows some lawns, washes some cars, whatever he does, babysit, right? He gets the money he needs. He goes back to the shop, and he buys his boat back, <clears throat> his precious little boat. And he says to the boat, you are mine twice. I made you, and I bought you. Right? What, a, what a beautiful story, and, it, and it, it's really true. It's like our relationship with the Lord. He made us, but we went astray. But he bought us with his blood, with his life. We are his twice. He made us and he bought us. We are his. We belong to him. We are his people. And guess what? Not only that, we are precious in his eyes. He loves us. He loves you guys. Peter says that once we were not a people at all, but are now the people of God, right? There's unity in Christ. We can all be a people group together. We are a family. And I love that God picks us. I love that uh, we have been chosen by God. Did you know that he chooses the worst of all of them? <laughs> no offense, <laughs> right? 1 Corinthians one twenty seven says, but God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise. God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things which are mighty and the base things of the world and the things which are despised. God has chosen the things which are not to bring to nothing the things that are, that no flesh should glory in his presence. Right? God chooses, uh, he walks around looking for people to choose. Hmm, who can I choose? Who's the lowest? Who's the weakest? Who's close to nothing? Right? He chooses those people. He chooses us so that his power can be shown through us. How beautiful is that? By ourselves, we're nothing. On our own, we are worthless. But because of Jesus, we can be about the Father's business. We can do his work that's a beautiful thing. I love that God chose me. I love that God loved me enough, cared about me enough to choose me and use me for his glory. And I love that God can be glorified in my life. I love that I can use my life for him and he is glorified and he is praised. Finally, we see that the hallmark of our citizenship is mercy. Verse 10. Who once were not a people, but are now the people of God, who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. We are people that have received God's mercy. 
Just like in Hosea, we see how Israel turned away from the Lord, right? Uh, if you look, read the book of Hosea, you see that Israel turned away from God, started worshiping these idols, right, Baal and all these other gods. And God said, you're not my people anymore. But it's, the whole book is it's the story, it's the message of God's mercy, right, of bringing his people back to him. And guys, that's us. We belong to God because of his mercy, not, not because of what we've done. Our works is but dirty rags. Our best is nothing compared to what God does in our lives. And so it's because of God's mercy that we are now welcomed into his family as citizens in his nation. Finally, why, why do we do all this? Why do we live as living stones? Why are we living as priests? Why are we living as God's uh, citizen? Peter tells us it's so that we may proclaim the praise of him who called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. Verse 9. God has saved us from darkness. Right? We once were in darkness. God saved us from that. I think about Paul, uh, right, when he became Paul from Saul, right? He had the uh, scale-like things in his eyes. It was causing him blindness. But it was God's mercy that allowed those scales to fall out. He could see again. The Bible has a lot to say about light and darkness, right? John 1, 5, Jesus says, The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Guys, the light is always going to win. You don't go into a dark room and turn on a flashlight and watch the darkness overcome your flashlight. That's, that's scary stuff, right? Your light always wins. John 8, 12, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Without Jesus, we'd be left in darkness, left to wander around hopeless, but Jesus changed that, right? Because of Jesus, now we can see. Now we are in his light. We've been made new. We have been brought into his marvelous light. But see, here's the thing. There are people still out there who are wandering in darkness, who God has not yet brought from darkness into his marvelous light because they haven't made that decision yet. What a wonderful thing it is for us to proclaim the praise of him who did that work in our lives. I, I want to encourage you guys today, lovingly just challenge you guys today that we need to share our experience with the people around us. God does amazing things in all of our lives, and for us to keep it for ourselves, it's selfish. <laughs> we should share it with others. How you used to be before Christ and how he's changed you, right? That experience, just sharing that speaks volumes. It could change lives. It can really change perspectives. So don't be ashamed. Don't be scared. I think we forget how much our testimony can impact people. You might think that your story is not good enough. Your story is not cool enough. You know, growing up you know, in the church, I used to think my testimony was lame. I grew up in my Christian home, right? I went to church all my life. But, like, that's for me. I, I'm... I'm putting a limit on the power of God and him using my testimony, right? Listening to people who have 
incredible testimonies of, you know, going through crazy things in life, and God delivered them from that, right? I, I used to be so blown away from those things, and I, I, I was so scared to share my testimony because I thought it was lame. <laughs> but guys, I want to encourage you today. Your testimony is powerful. The fact that God saved you, <laughs> the fact that God took you, right, took you from darkness and placed you in his marvelous light, that's an amazing thing that we should be proclaiming, sharing with people, don't be afraid of sharing that. Don't listen to the lie that you're not good enough, that your testimony is not good enough. Don't listen to the lie that you're not, you know, good enough of a speaker. God used Moses, who was not a good speaker. God can use you. God can use any of us. The devil will try to silence you. The devil will try to, you know, keep you quiet by putting these fears in you and lying to you that you're not good enough. Don't be quiet. Don't be silenced. Don't listen to the devil. Don't listen to those lies. God's doing an amazing work here. God's doing an amazing work in all of your lives. And we should be sharing that with the people around us. So the people want it, right? By seeing how great God is in your life, by seeing how loving you are, by seeing how um, passionate you are, people are like, I want, I want a part of that. And you can, you can lead them to Christ. So don't be ashamed. Today we looked at three things. We're living stones in God's house. We're meant to be people who are built up and, and building each other up, right? Don't tear others down. Let's be people who are encouraging, loving, people who, you know, ha- put out your hands so you can, you know, pick somebody up. Be that person. We're living stones. We're also priests, like it or not. Priests who pray and are busy doing God's work instead of your own work. We are citizens in God's nation. It's an amazing privilege being in God's kingdom. But guys, we also have the responsibility of heralding the anthem of Jesus Christ. Don't be ashamed of our king. He is our king. We should be going out there saying, Jesus is king. He's my God. He's my Lord. And you all need to get to know him. I want to invite the worship team to come back up um, as we close the time in worship. But just remember the things we talked about. God is so worthy. You guys can come up now. God is so worthy of our praise. Let's offer him the sacrifice of our praise. Even if you don't feel like it, God deserves it. So let's worship the Lord uh, by our singing. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much for your mercy. God, without your mercy, we will be hopeless. Because of your mercy and by your mercy, we are able to uh, be living stones, we're able to be holy and royal priests, and we're able to be citizens in your kingdom. God, may you be blessed in our life. We align ourselves right now back to you, our cornerstone, where we want to walk your walk. Help us to be like you, to love like you, to, to care like you do, to, to be moved by compassion like you always do, to represent you well to the people around us. Lord, thank you for calling us your own. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.